Hey, and welcome to the This Week in Games, a podcast series from the fine people of Deconstructor of Fun. The concept of this podcast is simple. Your hosts are Joseph Kim and myself, Mishka Katkov. The goal of this podcast is to highlight and deconstruct a few of the most relevant news in games. Most importantly, we promise to aim to keep these podcast series episodes short. So hit us up on Twitter to let us know which news topics you want us to talk about and hit the subscribe button to hear us deconstructing the latest news. Enjoy. Good evening, JK. Hey, good evening. So before we start, you wanted to go through some housekeeping, right? Yeah. So so basically, I, I know we, week two, very excited about uh, week two of, of um, you know, gaming news. And I thought we could start with some feedback that you got about our, our first uh, sort of soft launch podcast. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So um, after the first, I mean, this is still in kind of soft launch, so it, it's not on the blog. You can find this this podcast on Anchor and it actually automatically uh, uploads to the uh, the iTunes. But the, uh, the the key feedback was, guys, keep it shorter, keep it more conversational and improve the quality. So we are trying to keep it shorter. We 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 uh, decreased the topics from five to two or three. So today we're going to cover at least we're going to talk about Jam City's IPO or upcoming IPO or potentially upcoming IPO, and we're going to talk about Mar- uh, Nexon's Marvel Battle Lines, a mobile card game. We also have a potential third thing we're going to talk about which is the super smash bros from konami and we have other topics that we do want to talk about but we're we're gonna try to keep it under 15 minutes last time was half an hour we're gonna keep it under 15 <laughs> we'll so, try. So, yeah and the quality should be better i mean there's a new mic there's a new software so so we are we are investing into this and we're having fun with this so keep the feedback coming and we'll keep on improving just like just like with games Right. And the second housekeeping item I want to talk about is just kind of going back to the app loving article from the previous week. So um, I want to talk a little bit more about that because last week um, we reported on an article describing app Lovin's new mobile app publishing business called Lion Studios. And at the time, I just couldn't understand how the business could work and questioned it a bit at that time. Since then, you know, kind of spoke to a few different folks and even reached out to Roth Vivas from AppLovin for comments. And, and this is kind of where, where um, I netted out on this. First, I think you correctly pointed out that, you know, maybe there was a stronger ad revenue component for hyper-casual games. And just to be clear, I personally am not that deep in the hyper-casual market category, but in fact, just sort of playing Love Balls, which, which is one of the games published by Lion Studios, it was pretty clear that these games were deriving almost all, if not all, their revenue from ads. So the super low reported IP revenue that I questioned from last week um, does not mean that the LTVs for those games are super low to zero. But then the question becomes, well, how much LTV are we talking about? And so I wanted to just kind of like do a little bit of back of the envelope math to kind of see what we could expect in terms of LTV from some of these hyper-casual games. And I think one easy way to think about it is basically just in terms of like ARPDAO and ARD or average retention days. And so if we say that a typical, um, if we say that the typical ad revenue for a casual game is between, let's say, three to eight cents in net ARPDAO, 
in that the average retention days for a, a typical pretty good casual game is like seven to 10, then we can imagine LTV range between, let's say, 21 to 80 cents. So um, having said that, just, just again, talking to a bunch of different folks in the industry, someone more expert in hyper-casual threw out an even lower estimate for love balls, uh, in particular around like 15 cents, but he still felt like you know, user acquisition against this 15 cent LTV it was possible. So the big outstanding question for me and, and just the big question is, um, you know, um, even with 100% ad, ad revenue, these are still really low LTV games. So if you believe we can drive blended CPIs, including organics, at less than 10 to 20 cents, it's possible. But again, just speaking to more folks, and in particular, like some expert UA folks, there was definitely a bit of dubiousness um, from some of these guys about how real UA against these titles are, or is AppLovin throwing some of their own network traffic to these titles. So um, long story short, I think this is a much bigger topic. I, I, I think that there is also a, a deconstructor of fun blog post mm -hmm. um, coming soon on its way that, that really focuses on hyper-casual games. And I'd actually really love to see a more formal, long-form podcast with Rafael Vivas from App Love and Lion Studios, maybe like a Christian Calderon from Catch App and ideally someone from Voodoo. But yeah, we can hopefully um, hopefully get that going as well. Yeah, we we had a we had a long long discussion on this uh, on our on our deconstructor fund Slack group, uh, pretty close to one, and 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 definitely there there was a lot of um there was a lot of discussion that yes this works and and there is a post coming out and it's coming out uh, I believe this week or next week about Voodoo. And, and and their business model and and overall, the fact is that the CPIs for these games are extremely low. So so that kind of plays along. And then there's the um, the portfolio effect. So right, once you get a player in one game, they usually play a few other games as well. And through that, even though the LTVs are so low, it kind of accumulates to a larger larger um, larger portion. But it is a it is a very interesting model for for sort of a hyper casual publishers. It's not like like one one game company that makes hyper casual games and self publishes. I mean that's essentially Graham, but but most of them are just publishers, so they just take a lot of games from others. So it's a so it's an interesting production model, very interesting one. Yeah, and not to go too long on this, but probably one last point that I thought was pretty interesting is it, it seemed like people felt like there was two different models that Catch App and Voodoo are actually not operating in the same way. That Catch App is is actually relying more on cross promotion and like just having a high cadence of these like hyper casual games released every month and then driving users from one to the other. Whereas there was a thought that Voodoo is actually doing more on the UA side and that um, they're doing a, a lot of ad advertising, especially on Instagram. But yeah, I, I'm definitely looking forward to, to that post coming out and, and kind of digging deeper in, into hyper casual games in general. All right. So yeah, I second that. Let's, let's jump into our, first topic of 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 the uh, of the week and that is jam city's ipo so just to give people a background and just to give you a background mm -hmm. jk it's it's we're looking at at articles uh from world street world wall street journal uh, there was an article on fast company in 2017 and there was a really good article in pocket gamer in 2017 about why jam city ipo is on hold so 
the key question here is why has the IPO be, been on hold? And when we look at the numbers uh, provided by by the uh, the awesome sensor tower, you kind of see that throughout 2014 and 2015, the, the company was on a very rapid growth. In 2016, the growth slowed down. They did some mergers and acquisitions, but despite of that, they experienced decline in 2017. So it was kind of natural that they put the IPO on hold because, as you know, the IPO is is basically two things. It's a timing and price. So when you have no growth, you won't do an IPO, especially and especially if you're in the decline. There's there's no point. So that's, that's a wrong timing. Uh, when you have more stable and predictable growth, that usually leads to a higher price of your stock. And that means, you know, more money in the bank from the IPO. But the pricing part is the most difficult one because, you know, you have your investors and then and, and Jam City has its investors, especially the, uh, I believe they have Netmarble, right? Yep. Um, I th- yeah. Netmarble owns like 51%, if I'm not. Yeah, exactly. So so with, with that amount of invest uh, investment, it's it's like they, they naturally want to... Yeah, they want they want a very successful IPO from that. So uh, that that pushes them to find that perfect timing for a high price. But the thing is, the price can be also too high. And you know, we saw this with even with Zynga. We saw this when they when they IPO'd with, with I believe it was ten dollars something like that. And and the rapid correction for the market um, when the growth is not promised is imminent. And, and that will lead implication on staffing. You know, the options become worthless. The leadership, uh, will work on course correcting the company, even though it is profitable, but it's just not experienced the growth that they were reporting. And, and overall the mood sets down when, when the, the, the price of the stock goes down. So just want to point out that the IPO is about timing and price, and hence we're going to analyze what the timing is. And, and we're not going to talk that much about the price, but but we're going to talk about the, the timing. So, uh, talking about Jam City, um, it's um, as as their CEO would put, and and I have a quote here is um, quote a lot company a lot of companies have failed because they've gotten out of their sweet spot. He says the games we develop are typically within a similar genre, demographic, and mindset, mostly female focused, evergreen type games, and have time honored game mechanics. Like-minded demos make them easier to cross-promote throughout our networks. So this is uh, Jam City CEO Chris DeWolf talking about the sort of a strategy, the portfolio strategy of their company. Uh, at the moment, this means in practice that Jam City makes puzzle and simulation games. And, and puzzle games from the beginning, I mean, they tried some other ones, but then they kind of moved just to puzzle games, as, as he describes. And with the acquisition of Tinyco, uh, they also moved into simulation games. Uh, the company is about 500 people in six studios, California, Buenos Aires, and and I believe they bought brains from Bogota. And yep, I also very good believe, acquisition, by the way. Those those guys are awesome. Yeah, the fantastic studio, and and it's and it's great to see that there's a they they already have the Buenos Aires studio, which I believe is making Panda Pop. Uh, at least the part of the team is there, so that's that's their second most successful game. And I believe Jam City also does some publishing. This is at least what I've what I've heard from the streets that, that they have been talking to to, to a yeah, lot I've, of. Developers. I've never heard that myself. But yeah, that, okay. That is <laughs> so this might be not true, and somebody will correct me. But I believe this is my personal opinion that okay. they might be doing some publishing. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Um, but but yeah, so so they have a couple of studios in in um, in. In Latin America and then mostly in in the uh, in California region. Um, 
So that's the company, but let's look at the numbers more specifically and then talk about timing after that. Uh, looking at their dumb downloads during the last year, uh, so from July till March, like three, four quarters of, of the year, the, the, the installs were going down and they were going down rapidly. It started off from like about uh, 9, millions, 9, 9 million downloads a month and going all the way down in, in July. 9, 9 million installs in July and all the way down to 3.5 million installs a month in March. So we're talking about 60% drop in, in, in monthly installs during the, uh, the, the kind of like a first part of the year. Um, not, not very, yeah, not very great, but what saved them, um, well, you know, you can say save them uh, what, what saved the growth. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? What saved the growth is basically the Harry Potter. So that game launched in March and has been installed more than 30 million uh, in the last three months. So this, this significantly countered the otherwise steadily declining curve. Um, and, and. And yeah, so interesting enough, their their most downloaded games are Panda Pop, which is um, when it was launched. It was like launched maybe in two thousand thirteen. Oh, December two thousand thirteen. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it was and, a while ago. Yeah, and the other one is Snoopy Pop, which is basically uh, a reskin of Panda Pop. So, so th- those are those not a successful game uh, at itself, but but clearly the Snoopy is an underrated IP. I should take note here, but, but, uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, so, so those are their most downloaded games. And, um, and then again, just looking at the curve, it has been going down significantly major launch in March, but now the curve is kind of balancing off to, to maybe about four to four and some million monthly rate. So it is higher than the baseline before, and it has recovered a bit, but without, without um, Harry Potter would be worse. Um, so let's talk about the more important curve, which is the revenue. Uh, and and despite the decreasing installs, the key games have held extremely well. And their key games is Cookie Jam from from early 2014 and Panda Pop from late 2013. So so pretty much legacy games, and those are the ones that the bring the bulk of the revenue. So we're talking about between Cookie Jam and Panda Pop, the the amount of revenue is is. Um, um, closer to to forty, maybe thirty five percent of the revenue comes from those, and then you have the Harry Potter that that accumulates to to. I mean, currently out of the year's revenue, it's fifteen, but it's probably even more um, because it hasn't been live for more than than three months from now. Um, yeah, Mishka, and, have, you, have you played Harry Potter? So is, I, is, yeah, that's a good question. Is it is it good? So <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna confess something. I don't like Harry Potter. <laughs> I mean, call me call me an adult, but I'm just, there's something about like kid wizards that I'm like, this is this is for kids. Like, I I, I never could get into it. Uh, I played the game a little bit. What I understood from the game, playing it a little bit, it it felt like Kim Kardashian Hollywood. Uh, I see. With with better production value, so it wasn't like I was experiencing something magnificent, something totally new from game mechanics perspective. Hence, I didn't invest that much time in playing it. Um, right. My bad. I still don't won't play it. Uh, so, I mean, <laughs> unless I yeah. have to. But. I will say that the word on the street is that was a super expensive game to make. Like probably the second most expensive mobile game I've ever heard of. But um, yeah, that's that's just sort of the rumors. Yeah. But, so so, so hopefully, hopefully the production value is super high. Yeah, the, the production values are super high. The, the interesting part is is again, if we're talking about words from the street, uh, that is tiny co game, right? 
uh, because they're they're really into that. And Tinyco has their proprietary engine, uh, which makes it interesting because that game is very difficult to make. It has extremely high production values, and I don't know if Tinyco's proprietary engine is is better than Unity in making that type of game. So if that's the case, this is just high level assumptions. I don't know anything. I'm just throwing out ideas. But hey, that, we're just speculating. So yeah, if I'm saying. speculating that, that <laughs> the, the part of the cost is that the Tiny Co's engine is not as good as Unity. I mean, if it was better than Unity, I would assume that, <laughs> that they would sell the engine. But my assumption is that it's not as good as Unity. So that increased the production cost because you need more people. Uh, to work on on the animations, on the rigging, and and you know, it just it's it's just probably more difficult to to use, and that increases the uh, the amount of people you need for the game team. But also, yeah, the production values are super high. The uh, the IP hold who's the IP holder by the way? Is it Warner uh, Brothers? Warner Brothers, right? Yeah, so Warner Brothers is. is yeah, Warner Brothers wants the the best of the quality. They they you know they have their say on everything. So. IP games, as we talked in our latest podcast, um, working with with uh, with the massive entertainment IPs, it's difficult and it it's slow and it takes a lot of time. And, and I know that this game was in production for a very long time. You know, living in San Francisco, you can't not right. hear about this game being in production. Yep. But um, <laughs> yeah. it looks like like a very successful game. It definitely has declined since launch, which is normal. Uh, and we're hoping that it will it will keep up. Um, its course. Uh, we've seen Kim Kardashian really revive during the past year. Uh, mm-hmm. So they, there's a lot of learnings they can take from that game in terms of keeping the game alive and keeping it growing because other Tiny Co. games have have, have really declined. So we, we don't see Marvel Avengers Academy anymore. The Futurama was, was not a great game. Uh, Family Guy is an old, old, old game. And I don't know if it's even in life live operations nowadays because it has declined as well so this is kind of the only game that that tiny co is investing which is the right thing to do because it's it's their number one number one you know number one grossing game um from jam city i believe or at least in top three depending on how panda pop and cookie jam and and how 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 low it will go after the launch of the harry potter so anyway um talking about the the the, uh, the key games of of tiny of of Jam City, <laughs> there's the there's the Cookie Jam, there's the Panda Pop, and there's the Harry Potter. Uh, apart from those three, three, and apart from those two, because you know Harry Potter didn't exist three months ago. Um, there's Genies and Gems, there's Family Guy, uh, the, uh, the Match Three game, Family Guy, and there's Cookie Jam Blast, and those games are much smaller than than the two sort of a legacy products. So. So right. it's 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 kind of important to see here that they haven't been able to launch a massive head game since early 2014. Uh, Jam City has definitely tried, and that's how, hence they expanded into into um, simulation games with Tinyco, and hence they they're probably buying the um, the brains and other and and looking into publishing maybe uh, to, to see <laughs> to see the, the growth from there, but. But the important part is that they haven't been able to really launch uh, a successful puzzle game, and the mark the puzzle market has been maturing at a rapid speed. So what what we mean by that is the revenues keep going up for the entire puzzle sector. Uh, you know the Candy Crushes, the uh, the Play Rigs games, the Peak games. The revenue keeps going up for for the entire market, but the downloads keep going going down. So pretty much the same kind of um, image as as with uh, with with Jam Cities. 
and that, and that means that they're just optimizing the existing games and there's not a lot of new games that are coming out and, and the new games are not getting that much um, share in the market compared to the old ones that are increasing the revenue. And I, I believe there was a, just the latest article that, that Candy Crush Saga is the biggest Western game in the world in terms mm-hmm. of revenue. So yes. we can see that the uh, optimization is the key here. And instead of launching new games, and King is a perfect example, that they haven't been able to do that. So yeah, it's also interesting that the their top three games are all acquisitions, right? Um, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so we can say that their merge and acquisition strategy is pretty successful. Right. Um, but but let's let's talk about the uh, the future then. Um, um, so yeah, uh, the CPIs are increasing, and 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 the CPIs are increasing, especially in the puzzle sector, which which is kind of their strong sense. And we understand that their strategy has been to cater to these uh, this female audience. So they started off with puzzle games, then they added simulation kind of on the side. It's kind of weird that they did the Futurama and the Avengers. I mean, Avengers Academy was before that because those are not very female centered IPs in my opinion. I mean, teenage Marvel characters and and Futurama seem seem very uh boyish to me uh, but nevertheless now with harry potter um they kind of back to that that realm they also had two other games that they launched which i want to talk about uh one is um you know they, they had a lot of like kitty city and, and and those those type of things which which didn't succeed but there was solitaire jam uh it didn't really get that much success but that was their kind of first try in the casino sector which again plays well with their portfolio and they also have a game in soft launch called twist and that is an interactive story game so that is a that is an interesting approach again they're going to that category that that very female focused so if if i would have to summarize and when we're talking about you know jam city and whether they will ipo in 2019 as they're saying or not uh without harry potter i would say they wouldn't be uh, even thinking about ipo again because you know the trend didn't look that great uh without that game but now it's kind of the question is how Harry Potter will like there are a few questions. So one is how Harry Potter will sustain when Niantic will come out with their Harry Potter game. I believe it's this year, right? I believe so. Yeah. And and that's that's a big competition because the current Harry Potter game, it's I mean, it's kind of old school. It's the simulation game. You make the choices. And now we're seeing a, a location-based Harry Potter game. So that that will be very different. And I assume if I would have to, you know. If I have to make a prediction, this Harry Potter version will suffer from it uh, right. because because Neontic is is not very you know they're not very monetization heavy uh, they're they're kind of giving you a leeway <laughs> uh, and and this game is you know it is kind of kind of you know upfront well, with their monetization yeah. yep. uh, choking at some points as we've seen from the uh, from the <laughs> from the picks um, <laughs> and then current portfolio is very difficult. to to grow in the hypersaturated puzzle market where the overall stars are declining while overall sum of revenue is growing. So we've seen, we've seen a ton of companies just having a lot of problems, you know, a lot of issues with, with growing installs, but they have been growing their revenue. So kind of investing further in jam sit in, 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 um, I think the best way is, is investing more in, in Panda pop and, and cookie jam and, um, and kind of existing portfolio and trying to trying to optimize those rather than focusing constantly launching new ones because you know king did that strategy where they tried to constantly launch new ones they tried to launch um uh, sequel titles to their existing ones but then when they kind of turned back and, and started optimizing their existing ones that was the, the the key to the growth right um 
so you know we can see from from their attempts to grow is, is they want to make more match three games and they have been adding more puzzle games you know there's the uh the wild things i believe that's that's already being launched pretty soon from from jam city and and snoopy pop was an example of of the same game but with an ip um so more match three games more reskin games with an ip uh i think they're trying casino i think if they if they truly want to see how casino works for them, I would prefer that they do one of those successful mergers and acquisitions uh, because I, I think the casino sector would really help their bottom line. Uh, those games are grossing very well. They're, you know, you can cross promote between those and they fit their portfolio strategy very well from, from the point of, of, of the customer. Uh, the brains acquisition is their foray into Midcore with the world war dough um, coming out. I personally don't believe that World War Doe, which is the uh, the game from Brains, uh, the next one announced, I don't think that that's going to be successful because you just can't compete with Clash Royale. It doesn't matter what it's, you do. It's a tough space. I mean, you know, uh, a lot of people have taken a crack at it. I, I personally really like the team itself. But yeah, original IP and that specific approach, I, I think, might be a little bit challenged. And, and it's also weird that they bought that you know, it's not weird that they bought that company, but it's weird that, that they're coming out with World War Doe because it's against their portfolio strategy. It's against their what their right. CEO is talking about the customers. That's kind of, I, I would, you know, that, that's a question mark M&A for me, unless the studio is, is making something else that they, they want to do or unless they've changed their strategy and now they're going also for mid-core audience as well. Right. And then finally, we have the interactive story with Twist. Um, the characteristics of this category are highly unattractive. Um, you know, really? the, you, you, yes, you, yeah. I mean, the the, uh, the there's first of all there's there's essentially there's only two big ones. There's the uh, right episodes and choices. Exactly. Secondly, the the, um, the lifetime value, even though it might be pretty high, but the retentions are very low in these ones. Um, it, Thirdly, it's 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 um it's very hard to to keep players playing these games because there's not a lot of progression mechanics in them. And and then what we've seen from from episodes is that even when you use a really good IP, it doesn't matter unless you have an extremely good content. So you can drive people in, like let's say you're doing walking dead or or you know game of thrones ip you can drive a lot of people into the game with that ip the cpis can be lower but when they come in and they don't actually like the content or the content is not what they were promised you know the the ads can be pretty provocative they leave so so even the ip won't help and that's that's something that that the jam city is really good at is using the fox ips mostly um and 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 that's going to be a a big question mark if they can pull it off but overall, in terms of, of kind of audience fit, I think interactive, interactive story makes a ton of sense. I think it makes sense for them also because they have worked with IPs and maybe they can use more of those um, Fox IPs that have been using to drive the growth of this twist game. That would be phenomenal. And, and yeah, as I said, plays extremely well, but unattractive. Not a good day 30 retention in, in these games. So, so I don't, I don't, I don't, you know. It's good for them, but not for most of the companies. Uh, what I personally would like to see from from Jam City is, is them kind of foraying into more of a puzzle RPG category because they do have those puzzle games and the uh, the puzzle RPG is really growing. So that's kind of like the um, Empires and Puzzles and and um, there's the um, again, oh, I forgot what's the name Legendary. 
yeah, legendary, but I didn't mean that. The Japanese one, they uh, uh Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> yeah, so, so, so uh, those are those are still kind of like male focused, but we have seen uh, we have seen interesting RPG uh, elements. For example, the Finnish game company seriously with their um, their uh, bug focused RPG game, puzzle RPG game, and 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 stuff like that. So. There's there's higher monetization rate. They're they're a little bit different, but they still utilize that that uh, puzzle mechanics. Uh, secondly, the location based games. I think they should look into that as well. Um, it just makes to- it just makes sense, right? Uh, they have IPs. They have um, th- those type of games really fit the audience, and um, yeah, it m- makes sense to look it into it. Uh, third one would be hidden object games. Again, if we're talking about that female-focused portfolio, hidden object games are doing extremely well. Uh, I believe the company is G Five. That 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 is, you know, really really succeeding there. And Wuga as well from Berlin is succeeding in hidden object games, especially for that for that audience. And lastly, why not to look into something that that might be coming up down the pipe? And those are the, uh, the sort of a quiz games, like the. Um, see, I'm forgetting everything. It's early morning here, and I'm. Uh, the the uh, the uh, the the game where where everybody you know makes their guess twice a day. <laughs> yeah, isn't that uh, HQ or? Yeah, HQ. See, <laughs> oh, okay. it's good that I have you here. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that so that's that's my take on 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 Jam City. So it 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 really sums up into how they're able to sustain the growth and what are the games coming out there from the, from the pipe and how they will perform. So I believe the twist will do pretty well, uh, giving their, 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 um, their knowledge. I believe that they can keep the growth and, and overall the revenue coming from Harry Potter. There's a huge risks in terms of the antique game, but if they look at the, uh, the sort of Kim Kardashian strategy and if they're able to execute on that, that, that should be a good addition to their overall portfolio. I'm I'm questioning their mid-core uh, approach, uh, especially with the with a company like Brains. I mean, they they make nice things, but they ha- they're not you know essentially successful mid-core studio. Nice. And and I would love to see them enter you know casino or location based or quiz games, and especially through mergers and acquisitions, that would make a ton of sense. Especially casino, I would love Jam, Jam City to enter casino. Um, just you know, makes sense from the audience perspective. Right. And it'd just be good to see a successful, you know, mobile gaming IPO. I think it'd be good for the industry. So um, definitely wish those guys luck and, and hopefully they are successful. Yeah. So let's jump on to the next topic. I mean, we, we promise to keep this short, but we can't. On the other hand, like what is short? It's relative, right? <laughs> yeah. So why don't you just? So the world's moving to to, to depth. Yeah, exactly. So, so let's, <laughs> so let's, let's talk, go deep. Yeah, let's talk about Marvel Battle Lines. Um, I know nothing about this game. Okay, um, so basically the, the the article that we are talking about is is from Venture Beat, mm-hmm. um, and basically um, Nexon reveals Marvel Battle Lines mobile card game, and, and basically what this article is talking about is first this is a game being developed by Nexon. The gameplay trailer is out, and the game was revealed at San Diego Comic-Con. Interestingly, the gameplay will involve 12 cards arranged in a 3x4 grid. So there's some notion of creating like lines or battle lines within the grid, and then players would also have four cards in hand. And the final bit is that um, this game will include a single-player campaign and also real-time turn-based PvP. 
So a few thoughts I have is that, you know, personally, I feel like CCG has been a little sleepy and underrated. And I think if we look at the space overall, there aren't a lot of players, right? There's, there's just only a few players that are doing well. And there's a lot of players who are, you know, kind of, kind of sucking, uh, unfortunately. And so the big question for me is why isn't this a bigger category? Um, and personally, I feel like magic, you know, magic, the gathering has really missed a huge opportunity here and, um, has not been executing very well, but I thought we could start by like, you know, uh, during RovioCon, uh, I remember you gave a really great, like high level market overview talking Mm -hmm. about sort of market potential of different game genres. And, and so like, if you can think back to, to, to the analysis you did, um, could you talk about like how did CCG fit into like the mix of genres that you covered? Yeah, so see, uh, some card collecting games that are basically in they're, they're sort of a not appealing category because you have um, you have Hearthstone, which takes yeah. most of the um, most of the revenue, and then you have uh, Yu Gi Oh Dual Links, and those two games together pretty much take over ninety percent of the market. With Hearthstone being massive in the West and Yu Gi Oh massive in the East. Um, there have been a lot of entries to this category and a lot of entries, especially with powerful IP. So we have the animation throwdown from Congregate coming in. Didn't do really, you know, anything uh, major. It was, a, it was a fun game, well-made and, and good IPs and everything, but it wasn't successful at all. And then we had Pokemon Co-Master coming in uh, a few years back. And that game had a massive install push, and it really tried to break into, but but did even worse than than uh, Animation Throwdown. And in addition to sort of a more casual approach to these card card battlers, we had games coming in like Elder Scroll Legends. Again, massive push. Apple gives them editors uh, approval, or whatever they, <laughs> they do, and 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 looks beautiful and has great IP. It's as hardcore as you can get on a small screen. Yeah, and we still see like three million installs and three million in revenue. And even I remember installing this game, but but never really really playing it. Um, it's it's a very difficult market, but. So I, I just clicked on the link on the article for the Marvel Battle Lines. I would normally say like, "Come on, guys, are you making a card battle game?" It's like, "Have you played Hearthstone? Like, what can you do? What what can you do that they can't?" And I'm looking at this Marvel Battle Lines, and my God, I'll play this game. <laughs> so, it, it looks fantastic. Yeah, uh, oh, what? Right. One thing I want to comment though on is like, I think when you say like, you know, animation throwdown is not successful, you're probably talking about just the scale of revenue, right? Like, yes, I'm, I, I'm I talking get, about, exactly. So, so I'm, yeah, cause I, I have heard that just, you know, um, that that game sort of really helped out congregate, like kind of turn things, you know, just sort of word on the street. So I'm not, you know, I don't have any inside info, but that that's sort of the word yeah, on the street. is. So, so I'm sorry in, in terms of like <laughs> to congregate and everything. <laughs> I don't mean, I mean, success is, is very relative. So if you're a small right. studio and you have a couple of millions of revenue a month, you're successful. But what I'm looking at as success is I'm looking at overall market. And and especially in this one, I'm looking at the subcategory of the same type of games. And in this case, yeah. card games. And then I'm comparing your revenue to the, uh, to the overall revenue in this small category. And if you're making less than 10% of the category, and if the number one is making 54, 65% of the whole revenue... That means you're right. not successful compared right. to your rival. You might be successful compared to your estimates. Your your studio might be doing well. That's all great, but we're talking about more of a competitive, more of a market uh, success rather than than um than your um personal success. And yeah, it's a great game. And Throwdown is, is beautifully made, 
great IP and so forth, but just not as successful right. as those two games. As Hearthstone or Yu-Gi-Oh! Yeah, not, not even close. Like we're talking about <laughs> 20 times smaller. So, so that, right. that's right. what right. I mean by success. Yeah. And so I, I guess, you know, depending on, you know, whether you, you, you think of this, this specific market as half glass full or half glass empty, you know, two, two big players and then, then, you know, a bunch of smaller, smaller guys, you know, maybe, you know, I, I personally feel like there, there is like a big opportunity here. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I think about the IP, I mean, you got to think like the three strongest IP are going to be, well, Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh are already very successful. We, we know that they can do well. Um, although the specific um, execution of both of those games on mobile has, is, is not been, you know, has not been very good, but you know, it, it could do really well. So, so that leaves Marvel. Marvel's like I think perfectly suited for for um, for a CCG, and I think it'll be interesting to see if this execution of a, of a mobile game using Marvel is what really you know kickstarts a category. Because if you can't be successful with Marvel, I mean it's it's, it's hard to be successful. The, the thing that I worry about, um, especially like you know with 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 Nexon, is like you know. Did they go down the too much innovation trap that sort of plagued them on on you know Star Wars? Um, or no, they, they didn't do that game. Well, but you know, just did they did they try to 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 include too much innovation where it's going to be kind of weird and um, kind of a potentially a, a disappointment for players? So so hopefully they they got the right mix. Like you said, you you looked at the screenshot; it looks great. The art Ho- style. Hopefully, it's yeah. Sorry, the art style is phenomenal. Like like what I really like about this game is that they went full comics. Um, so God, I really want to play this game, you know, based on my feelings, I will predict that this will be a smash hit. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Nice. Nice. (laughs) I I hope it, I hope it will be. I mean, I, but also I'm a Marvel fanboy, so that's the problem. If this were a star Wars game, I'd be like, I don't know. This kind of looks boring. (laughs) Yeah. I I, I also love Marvel. So, you know, I, I think this, this, this is, this is one to lose for mm-hmm. Nexon. Like, you know, it's, it's all, like the, the macro is all there. Like all the, the, the trends are there for this to be a, a super huge, big game. Yeah. Especially yeah. with uh, like sort of missteps and sort of misexecution by, um, you know, by, by the other players in the market. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see how this, this, this goes. And uh, should, should we go on to the, the third and final news post or are, are we, are we too, too long here? We're definitely too long. <laughs> so, <laughs> so let's do this. For the next week, we'll save you the, the article. We'll talk about Super Smash Bros. Super, yep. Super Smash Bros. on, on mobile. So that, that's going to be huge. I mean, that's huge. <laughs> and then, yeah, then, you would hope. Yeah. And then, then, and then we're going to talk about the Supercell's Clash Royale with $2 billion in revenues in just over two years. And, you know, it, that sounds amazing, but... It's actually, you know, it's actually more interesting, and we're going to talk about that <laughs> <laughs> next week. Right, so, so we have some very good foreshadowing yeah. uh, for for next week. So yeah, definitely, please stay tuned for week number three. Yeah, and keep on the uh, the feedback coming. So we're in soft launch. That's how we consider this, and keep the feedback coming, and we'll be making adjustments based on that. Sounds good. All right. Till next time. Catch you later. All right. Bye.